Welcome to the Heads and Bed Show, where we teach you how to get more properties, earn more revenue per property, and increase your occupancy. I'm your co-host, Conrad. And I'm your co-host, Paul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Heads and Bed Show. I thought I'd open a little bit differently today, but how are you doing today, Paul? I am doing fantastic. We're in March. We're, I think it's, it feels like spring in some places of the country. It feels like winter in the West Coast, it feels. So I don't feel unique in having snow in Minnesota anymore when they're getting it in California. So I guess my weather rant doesn't need to be quite as, as expansive as it usually is, but not. it's a beautiful start to the week. What about you, Conrad? How are you doing this week? Yeah, pretty good. I won't mention that it was 81 degrees on here on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. To do that, so I won't do that. No, maybe we'll take it a different direction. Do you have any spring break plans coming up here in a few weeks? Anything Ooh. family or anything like that? Yeah, with the vacation in February, that's our spring break. And it is. I'm trying to think. One of my snowbird parents come up there. I think they've got about a month and a half left, so they won't probably catch spring break. It's, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the preschooler has, what my preschooler has for any time off in the next month i think yeah i think they they had a lot of them last month it feels like when i look at the little sheet that they bring home every day so i don't think we have a lot we'll i'll enjoy some basketball coming out for march madness certainly and i think that's probably going to be it what about you any fun plans for spring break for you yeah we'll see we're actually closing on our old house i think we talked about this on a previous episode maybe Mm -hmm. or maybe i've just talked about it so much it came up (laughs) on a previous conversation but yeah we're closing on our old house this week we'll be done with that and uh, there was some financial reward on the there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow there so that'll be good we can maybe we'll take a little trip with it we'll see i'm waiting though for the check to hit i'm not going to count it don't count your chickens before they hatch (laughs) sort of thing so yeah i was curious what folks in minnesota farming communities do in spring break i figured it was like putting corn seeds into a starter (laughs) Pretty, it is. I think it, and it all depends on when it falls. I think most people right. do. It, with the, I've had, I think I've mentioned this before. With you, a lot of the Twins fans go down to spring training. They'll go down to Southern yes. Florida, to where we were, that Fort Myers area, catch a Twins game or two. It always feels like that's a direction everybody goes down to Florida. Some people go down to Arizona too, but I always feel like Minnesota kind of reroutes down to Florida, Southern Florida, Northern Florida, wherever it is. And you usually find a spot down there. So yeah, yeah. Nice. Speaking of things that reroute, we're going to reroute this segment into Marketing Minute. Let's talk a little bit about, you You dug into some things on these Google Live events. I'm not one to typically always watch these, but I do like the summaries. I think you found a decent summary. Maybe break it down for the listeners. What was what was the event? What kind of was the goal of it? And then what were your some of your key takeaways from some of the events that Google had? I think it was last week or week before. Yeah, it is. I, th- it was Search Ads Week. This is usually they do the Google Marketing Live. That's their big annual in-person meeting. They get every all the Googlers in one spot and they have some pretty good keynotes. I usually like listening to it. Even I like listening to it live because it feels like you're getting it all in real time. Now, it's always interesting to assess where those changes happen because they'll announce them in April, May, and maybe in November, December, we start to see some of those rolling out. So it is, I think it gives you the forecast of what's going to be happening. This one being specifically for search ads, I I thought that there were definitely some good insights as they are rolling out some new features. We've touched on Performance Max, some of the updates they're making there. Mm That seems to be one of the big areas that they're really trying to focus and getting better performance out of making sure there's full insights into how they're performing, how you can make some changes, how you can help them perform better. But I think the biggest takeaway is there there was a pretty substantial best practices playbook, about 20 pages. So that's something that anybody, I think we can put that in the show notes here, but anybody who's looking for kind of the full primer of what was talked about from how to get, how to use more custom audience, how to use more of the recommendations that 
maybe Google isn't pushing as hard on for performance purposes that maybe it's just because they want things to to work properly. I don't know. It's that's the, I think that's always the question you have to ask when you're looking at some of these suggestions or recommendations from Google. And we talk about it often. Is it for the benefit of the advertiser? Is it for the benefit of Google? Um, for the most part, I think most of this is for the advertiser and helping to perform better in Google. But I think ultimately it's a double-edged sword where if you're performing better, there's a higher likelihood you're going to spend more on Google. And I think it's always beneficial to at least take a look and see. There are some great webinars in there as well. A couple of five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute webinars, just talking about some of the same things that we talk about on a daily, weekly basis here, but always good to see the latest and the greatest from Google because we, when our lives revolve primarily around you know what we can get out of Google, we want to know how to get the most out of it there. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. Definitely, I think throwing a link in the show notes is appropriate so people can dig in on their own time. Was there anything you saw that this is my frame on this when I go and consume content from Google? I share your obvious, obvious guarded skepticism, maybe a right. touch with, are they really? But ultimately, a lot of things that they've added over the past few years, you've had to pick and choose what makes sense. But a lot of the stuff they've added has improved performance in some cases. So I can't sit here and just be anti-Google. That would be inappropriate for me to do that. But was there anything that stuck out to you that was like, that is something that I think I can actually implement that's going to help me save time or effort or energy or money or all the above? I think what they started to do is they started talking about AI. They Obviously, they've been talking about AI to a lesser degree, not saying AI up to this mm -hmm. point and almost everything they do, but they always actually, use the term machine learning. Like that's, that's exactly, yeah. <laughs> this is the first, this is really the first time I would say that they've transitioned from machine learning to AI and it's all based on the algorithm. It's all that, but really thinking about, I'm just looking at one of the, one of the course titles on how to think about search differently with an A powered AI powered search solutions of today. I think mm -hmm. that is something that specifically it is, it was, high level this time around and for the search ads week, I would anticipate there will be probably a barred demonstration when they do marketing live in April or whenever they're doing that or May. I would say there's going to be more functionality related to AI built into this, that kind of that demo. But that's when I'm anticipating more of the direct competition to chat GPT, open AI really being released. I think they're going to work really hard for the next month and a half, two months, try not to let too much, too many of the cats out of the bag. And then I think they'll do the big rollout. It is, it's timing wise, it's appropriate for what they usually do this time of year. They're, I think they've just, they're probably being forced into having more of these conversations a little earlier based on what Microsoft is doing. So I think yeah. that's really going to be the key is where does that barred side of things go? Where does the AI discussion go in Google? And how is that built into the ads? Delivery, I think is probably the best way to do it, to talk or about it, because I have seen some interesting, I would say, just UX screenshots, UI screenshots from Bing as those ads are coming through and how those ads are being put into the OpenAI open chat GPT side of things. So I'm also interested to see once we start seeing some examples of how that's layered in on the Google side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's to, we should have a game like take a shot every time we don't mention AI on a podcast episode. Right. And we'll, <laughs> or it's like we need one of those signs like behind us, like it has been zero days since we've not mentioned <laughs> AI in a client meeting or on Pretty this much. podcast. But it's it was actually interesting. I saw an article the other day that there's actually a faction inside of Google that's telling the Google leadership and things like that, like a language learning model is not a replacement for search, especially when it comes to like facts and things like that. Correct. Now. I saw another interesting thing about the Bing demo, where someone, I've seen these demos, right? Give mm -hmm. Bing a PDF mm -hmm. document. Did you see this one? And then ask Bing to summarize the PDF document. 
don't know if you saw those demos. Not a PDF. No, I haven't seen it. It's very yet. impressive. So they give it this like long 1099 or one of these are really long. That's probably <laughs> the wrong thing. I'm sorry, like a K1 or K2 or all something good. like that. Obviously, you can tell I don't buy individual stocks very often, but it's like the summary of the, it's all legal and it's written from mm-hmm. like the company's point of view. Here's our business operations. Here's what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And basically it, they went in entered in the PDF into Bing. They gave it the text or whatever and said, summarize this PDF. And the summary was literally making numbers up. It had read something wrong or like interpreted a page wrong or something. And it was like, this business did $5.1 million this quarter in annual profit. And it was like, that wasn't true, basically. This faction side of Google that's anti- Bard and all that kind of stuff and like mm-hmm. anti this new approach is basically saying we can't be like the w- once we summarize the content we then are responsible for that content in some respect too so like even if we get it from what we perceive to be a legitimate source like you can put a lot of questionable queries into google and they catch a lot of them but every once in a while you'll get back stuff that's like supports your whatever crazy conspiracy theory you might want to have and it's like a feedback right. loop so i thought it was interesting that there's actually i don't know how large the group is but i think this was on the information or something like that which is i believe is a legitimate source of information that they were talking about that that they had some group that was like no this can't be how we do search going forward and the way bing's doing it i think makes more sense where they're taking <clears throat> like a real-time index and then they're going against that and then they're yep. running the ai against it and summarizing so it saves you time i don't know though is that like a huge breakthrough though when you like it looks cool right now but is that something where Again, from a search perspective, if you want to know who's the best vacation rental company in XYZ to bring mm-hmm. it back to our topic, mm-hmm. our podcast, I just don't know if that's really what people are looking for or if they really just enjoyed the fact that they can see a list of links and then get more information there. I, I don't know. There's something to be said for like where they're going to go with it, but it's, I don't think this is as black and white as some people are making it out to be that like right. all search is gone or that all search has been changed forever. I think a lot of search hasn't been changed at all at this moment in time. And we'll see how things progress. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of search has changed quite a bit, but this has been the case for some time. This was always the example that I would go back to how old is X and I always used to use Trump like how old is Donald Trump in the Google and it gives you the one box and like that's just mm-hmm. been those types of answers has been here for what half a decade now or something like that so that type of search I feel is over if that was like your way that you were making traffic to your website and mm-hmm. in our example I could think of things that we do what's the best beach or what are the best restaurants and all that kind of stuff so that AI I'm more on that line of thinking that it's like that could be gobbled up a little bit quicker that type of content but how is AI going to gobble up and know exactly what type of property you want unless you give it a ton of like input parameters, which you may as well just go to the website and like, you know, I want a three bedroom, two bath in Naples, Florida, that sort of thing. So I'm struggling to put all the pieces together right now as far as like large shifts, but small shifts, I definitely can see how it's going to impact us. I just think it's more of a tool. I still feel that way. I've mm-hmm. been using it a lot more lately. And I think it's like in a little assistant. It's like a little writing assistant that you have next to you, which that doesn't replace search in my mind at all. That replaces like a low paid content writer or like a low paid research <laughs> assistant or something like that. So right. interesting. That's, but we'll keep it is. Yeah. I think that's, that, that, I think it really, yeah, that's <clears throat> like, it's a conversation piece for some people. I just, yeah. I think, I think it creates more zero click searches. I think, I think you get the answers there instead of going to results. I think organic results. Yeah. There, there's a huge question as to what organic results are going to be at the end of this year as in or three years down the road, five years down the road. But we've already seen the trend away from a click actually going to a website, whether that's ads, you see the ad numbers trending down and you know that people are either they're advertising less or Google's serving up fewer ad clicks. So are those answers now just found right in the chat in the search results page as opposed to going there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it depends on the query. That's like if someone were to come to me and say like, 
you know, as AI, these search language tools are going to replace search, I'd be like, show me a keyword, like give me an example. And if they give me stuff like that, I'm like, okay, fine. Like, how old is Donald Trump is a dead search term if you want to know it. But that's been a dead search term. Like, even if he ranked number one for that a year ago, would you get like a 2% click through rate just so people were like curious about, oh, maybe where was he born or this and that? I don't know. I'm just, I'm like I said, I just think a lot of people want to say things to make it seem like they're (laughs) right. And I just think this polarization that we're in, this is like a larger commentary, but we're in like a polarized environment where if you pick this side or that side, you get more attention. And no like shades of gray or like binary, non-binary thinking is really accepted with regards to these tools. I don't know. I'm using them. I'm enjoying using them. I think they're very valuable. ChatGPT being the one that obviously we've talked about the most that I do have now a pro subscription to. So we'll see how long that lasts. But I just don't think it's going to replace search. Not broadly. No. And maybe like narrowly, I think so. So we'll see how it goes. We're going in a different direction today over this episode. So I don't know. We need feedback on this one. So I'll say that early, yeah. not <laughs> wait till the end to say that if people like this kind of stuff. So we are going down the path of productivity like on computers and the, i could just share i pitched this topic to paul and i wasn't sure if he was gonna take it up but he said let's give it a crack and see what happens so i'll share the origin of where i got this idea from so i was doing a presentation at the vr master events alana schroeder and tyan marsing put these on pre-covid so they haven't been running since then unfortunately maybe they'll bring them back at some point i don't know i haven't talked to them, those ladies about this in some time but anyways i did and they were mostly for smaller managers and hosts and things like that so it was a different crowd that i feel like i was interacting with when i was at these events and i like going to them by the way i had a great time i did two of them two of the three i missed one just for personal reasons and at one point there was like a little bit of time before my presentation i got up there i plugged in my computer and i was doing something where someone had asked me really quickly to answer a question and i launched like a, I launched Chrome, I did a search, I went in, I did like a summary of something, I did a word count, and then I pasted it back into a notepad tool, like Sublime mm-hmm. Text is my notepad of choice. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, oh, like you really know how to use the computer. And I kind of laughed a little bit. I'm like, yes, I do know how to use the computer. I use it whatever nine hours a day feels like six days a week. So yeah, I know how to use it pretty well. But yeah. I was realizing that when I look over someone's shoulder, whether it's like in person at that event, or now virtually in the Zoom world, like a lot of people, I just think don't maximize the tool they have in front of them right now. Like the actual computer that you work on, I think it it actually has a lot to do with like your success in some respect with your vacation rental business, like being able to do things faster or more efficiently ties into from a second ago talking about ChatGPT and (laughs) what it can do for you. But even just like being able to like manipulate applications or do things faster, like I think the delta between an okay user and like a power user of just a computer like day to day over a month or a year, that person is going to make so much more progress if they know how to use the tool properly. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd take a swing at like explaining what the tools are that I use and why I use them. And I'll try to not go crazy if you're like new to this and you haven't really done this stuff. I'll try not to go crazy until Apple script on Keyboard Maestro. That's like insanity. That's where you get in the stage where like you're tinkering just to tinker. You're not actually saving <laughs> any time at all. It's not productivity at all. But I'll try to stick to things that I think have a real use case and things that I've recommended even to clients over the years, Text Expander being a good one. Um, and drive through it. Now, I have a very Mac slant. I think you have a very PC slant when it comes to like actual computer tools. But then we're going to talk broadly about like marketing tools and HFs, SEMers, things like that. So where do you want to start? We could start anywhere, but I guess I'm curious, is there like a piece that you think would be the top few things that you'd want people to have? I think you, this is your topic. You run with it a little bit. I'll pop in where I can there and we'll. I think we'll be in good shape there. Okay, so I'm going to start with the apps that I use to actually that launch at startup. So these are the apps that I use that as soon as the computer actually starts up, I was off, I reboot it. Here's the ones that start right away. Browser wise, nothing interesting there, right? Chrome is my browser of choice. I don't really think that makes a huge difference. I think the only benefit of using Chrome is that it has all the extensions I use. Maybe we'll talk about extensions in a second, at least one that I think are productivity boosting at least. So that one's there. I also launch at startup. I typically launch my like, I mentioned a second ago, like a notepad like tool. So I love just having like very quick access to being able 
able to write down like text. So Sublime Text is like my tool of choice for that. It is an actual like programming IDE, like a text editor. Like you could edit code inside of Sublime Text. That is not what I'm doing 99.9% of the time. <laughs> I'm usually just opening it to like, write things down, but I find it's very quick. You could do this with a million things. Like I used to use Apple Notes because it syncs across laptop and desktop or your iPhone and your laptop and things like that. I just find Sublime is faster. And just the fact that you like open it and instantly it's available. I like that. So that's one that I have a startup. Keyboard Maestro, we'll come back to that one because there's a lot to say on that. Probably a whole 50 episodes we can do on that. <laughs> I'm going to call this an anti-productivity one. The one next, Slack launches automatically, which is not a productivity tool at all, by the way. I could do a Slack rant right now. I'm in a Slack. We're in Slack together, obviously, because the way we got yep. connected. But I am anti-Slack when it comes to build-up bookings. So the reason for that is that I think Slack is an all-day distraction, or what does Jason Free call it? An all-day agenda with no meetings. Your entire company participates, and there's no to-do list on the backside of it. So I do not like Slack, but it, I do clients that pay me money. So Slack does open a lunch. But I believe Slack is the anti-productivity tool. And the best thing for you to do with Slack, if you can, is number one, avoid it. And if you can't avoid it, I think it's to try to guardrail it in and like, all right, I'm going to do it during this time and this time and things like that. But we use Basecamp for our project management. And there's a chat function inside of Basecamp that we use internally, but it's not like an all day thing. It's like, hey, I need something really quickly. So that's a sidebar, my bad on that one. But uh, that's see it. Some other apps that I typically launch on startup, Color Slurp. This one's going to sound funny, but you always need like the hex codes of logos and mm -hmm. things like that. So Color Slurp, it actually, you open the app, you click the little eyedropper icon, you put it on your screen, like on the actual like logo or on a section subheading or something like that, you click it, and then you get the actual hex code on your clipboard very quickly. So it's very, it saves me a ton of time when I'm like, ah, oh, what color is this? And I need to match like a heading or a font or something. Could be something I'm doing in Canva, something I'm doing on the actual backend, web, website editing, whatever the case may be. Use that quite a bit. My photo editor of choice is Pixelmator Pro. So it's like Photoshop if you're stupid, like I'm stupid. So Pixelmator <laughs> is like the good kind of tool for that but um, yeah, if you know what you're doing then definitely use photoshop and then zoom obviously is my like meeting tool of choice that one kind of launches at startup and that's it so i try to keep like the actual applications that launch pretty modest i don't have a ton of stuff in there there's other stuff that launches that's more like system-based i have other things in there but those are the initial launch pieces there do you have a similar list on your side of things on the pc side and i'm sure we have different apps here which is good that we use like different platforms for sure it is yeah the first thing slack is the first thing that comes up certainly Ooh. that's it is i think <clears throat> for my purposes i do i've got a couple different workspaces that just inevitably I'm a part of. So it's nice to be able to coordinate the conversation. It is just, I would agree. That's the only I pro have. is that at least it's like one place. <laughs> that we're like, it's not like I've heard people say, oh, I do like a contract work for this company and they use Teams and then this company yep. uses Slack. I will say yep. that if a client's going to make me bring me into that system, at least use Slack so I don't have to go to another system or have something else open. That would be my only saving grace, a silver lining on that dark cloud for me. That's exactly it. That, that's yeah. and it is Chrome. Same way I'm a Chrome devotee, and it is. It's just because of the extensions, and it's. I think there's a lot <clears throat> from the reporting side of things, from just understanding what what setup and understanding configuration that you really get to understand from Google Chrome. That I do. It's always amazing to me when I get on a call with a partner or a customer or prospect or anything like that. And I know what their you Google Analytics ID is, or I know what their Facebook <laughs> pixel is, or whether they have it installed or not, and they don't. It's just one of those things that I, there are there's so many tools associated with Chrome that it is it probably avoids me having to use extra applications in a lot of cases because I have I've probably in some cases over inundated myself with extensions on Chrome, but giving me all the tools I need right there to be able to assess and see and do some diagnostics on kind of the typical website there for notes wise it is i've used evernote i've used just the sticky notes it's 
I don't. Do, I'm admittedly, I'm I'm a big pen and paper kind of guy, so it's not really yeah. a, a for me. It's a, digital notes are great. Now, my wife uses a notepad where it does that. It digitally just transfers everything in, and there's another partner <laughs> that we work with as well. I saw him do using it at Verma, and that's something I have thought about again. Just being able to take that offline to online and keep things a little more. Uh, private there and make sure all the data is saved securely. But as far as tools go, yeah, it is the other tools that go up automatically. Descript goes up automatically. And that's something that since since we've been partnering on this stuff, I've used much more. Really for me, it's getting some of the video clips and trying to make sure that I post more consistently on, on LinkedIn and then take some of this great content that we're producing and push it out there because I do. I think it's a value for sometimes for my internal team and for the external teams and external people in the industry that that hopefully get some value out of what we talk about here. Google Ads Editor is another one that comes up automatically for me. Now that's one that <clears throat> it is Google's kind of bread and butter as far as the major macro editor, I would say. I've also been turned on more to the optimizer side of things by you as well there. So that's management, but overall of ad groups and building of things in a quick and timely fashion, I still think Google Ads Editor does what it needs to do there. So that's another one that comes up immediately. And I spend a lot of time in there throughout the day as well. I'm trying to think, I think that's it. Like I said, more of what I have application wise is tattooed onto the Google Chrome extensions. And that's where kind of I get yeah. the value there. So yeah, that's, that's kind the of thing. The... Like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. No, sorry. That's the thing is that Basecamp has an app, for example, but I just use it in the browser because I just come in there all day. So having to open like the Basecamp app and then swapping between the app and the actual, like anytime I click on something, it's going to go to the browser anyway. So <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. There's really no benefit to using the app. It's just the website wrapped in like an app type platform. I guess you do get like nicer looking notifications on PC, like a, or on Mac. Sorry, it has like, a nicer looking little tray on the top, but that's not a big enough reason for me to want to go there. No. So yeah, maybe we'll go to the browser next and I'll kind of walk through some of my bookmarks. I'll skip stuff that's not really productivity focused we do use like the google workspace products for our like email so there's like google calendar up there obviously i have gmail up there as well airtable is a tool that we got into so someone on my team brought airtable to me last year and i'd played with it before and i went okay it's like a fancy spreadsheet i don't get it what's the benefit of this first google sheet i was very wrong it's a very dynamic it's a database tool first of all it's not a spreadsheet so a spreadsheet is more like a calculator basically is how to think about it a database tool actually stores like schema and data, and it can be organized and grouped by various uh, different elements. That's not really how a spreadsheet works. So once I got into Airtable, we've now put our entire client, I would say like metadata, whatever you want to call it, our client active list now lives in an Airtable view that is up to date. And that is our like central source of truth, if you will. So for the property manager, they probably have a PMS that does that for them. But there's really nothing for like our agency to do that. There's not like one source that we had previously, it was just like, look, a bunch of Basecamp projects, but they weren't really always updated ever out like every status of every client at all times. Now we've put that inside of Airtable. So it did add another tool to the mix, which I tend to try to avoid, but I think it's been a huge benefit to everybody on the team because they can be like, there's, I mean, it sounds simple, but we have stuff in there. Who's the point of contact? What's their phone number? Mm -hmm. What's their, what data they sign? What's their Basecamp project? What's a link to their website? All this stuff is in one place. So there's never that question of like, where is XYZ, right? Which is a common issue. So if you're a property manager, I actually talked to a property management client that I work with that has used now Airtable. They sync it with their PMS somehow. I don't know exactly how they did that. Maybe it's just a manual update, but then they have a ton of metadata about each property. So here's the date the property came in our program. Here's the owner. Here's where the owner statements need to go. Here's the um, here's the challenges in the property right now, maintenance wise. Again, there may be other systems that do this, but Airtable is really nice. So check it out. It's very easy to understand. There's a free version and then there's a paid version. So that's a new for me. Like I, it started mm -hmm. with me last year, one into the mix. These are not productivity tools, but like analytics is up there. 
search console is up there. My beloved ClearScope is up there. These are more like <laughs> SEO marketing tools. So I'll maybe skip over those for right now. I am trying to write more documentation. So this one is going to sound a little bit silly, but the make a new help doc bookmark link is at the top of my browser bar. So then when I have the idea, I need to document that. I just click that. I log into my back end of that system, which is just the back end of our website. And I can write a new help document very quickly. So that sounds like a weird one, but it actually has helped me quite a bit. I not like being that. like, oh, I'll sit down and write the doc. It's like, no, just click right this button right now. Open the new <laughs> tab and you write the doc right now you lazy bones <laughs> so that one's pretty good i think wise google ads up there facebook ads up there nothing too interesting or exciting there optimizer is our management of tool of choice maybe i'll let you go down that one because you're now becoming the optimizer pro google drive is up there FreshBooks is up there with regards to like accounting and invo- invoicing again not really productivity based but just that's how we can send out all the how the money comes in the door and then, yeah, other marketing tools we have up there, Ahrefs, maybe you could give your thoughts on SEMrush as an alternative. And then we use Buzzstream for link building. And then there's like accounting up there, Bench is our accounting provider of choice. Uh, lead pages, we built a lot of landing pages there. That one's kind of an old one. I don't click on it too often, but that's kind of what the top browser bar looks like. I bet we have a decent amount of overlap, but I think you've got some other stuff in there too. Probably yeah. more inventory related. Uh, yeah, I've got a pretty similar there. Google Ads, certainly Google Analytics. Tag Manager, Google Search Console as well. In addition to okay. Search Console, Tag Manager, we do as much as we can through tag manager because i've always considered that to be the non-developers developer tool like i don't have to go to a dev i don't have to go to someone else to make the updates on the back end of the system i just have to make sure hopefully that the tag manager container has been installed properly and all those updates are good to go there but we run the business side of things through the hubspot hubspot is our crm and then i've got the Vintori crm as well just being able to pop into our partner accounts and make sure everything is running properly there. Facebook ads manager, same thing there. Clarity, Microsoft Clarity, I also have that. That's how we do all of our screen recording. I know some people Mm do session recording, stuff like that. Some people use Hotjar. I love Clarity because it's a free tool. It's one of those things where- I think yeah. it's better than Hotjar, Loki though, because it actually works a little bit better. I notice it's smoother. It doesn't have as much choppiness to it. So honestly, I wouldn't even pay. If they were flipped and Clarity was 20 bucks a month and Hotjar was free, I think I might even consider using Clarity, honestly. It is. It's just, there's just too many good insights there. And they, you can go really deep on the insights there too. We've seen a lot of value on that. Again, as we build out as many landing pages as we do for partners, we want to make sure we understand how people are actually engaging with those landing pages. Are we giving them a good experience there? And love clarity for that. So that's, I would say one of the, one of the bigger tools in, in the belt there. Um, SEMrush is SEMrush, SEMrush, whatever it is. That's the other tool on the SEO side of things. Certainly uh, Ahrefs, SEMrush, whatever you're using, as long as you're able to do some type of keyword research, you're trying to do some type of competitive competitor review, being able to do stuff like that. There's a lot of functionality that both of those tools have. Again, we I think we joke bicker back and forth about one or the other, but if you're you want to be using one of those tools specifically just to make sure that you don't have any blind spots or you don't have as many blind spots on the SEO side of things, I think it's always going to be a little tricky there. The one thing that we I don't think either of us mentioned on the initial startup is Screaming Frog, and maybe because it is, it does I don't use it as frequently, but I think we both right. probably have have the oh. subscription there, and it is it's awesome for the technical side of things. I think more often than not, you want to do that for an initial audit but all the other continual maintenance tools are in SEMrush or in Search Console, stuff like that. But Screaming Frog is another tool that we certainly use on the SEO side of things. I'm trying to think. That's that is that's the big group. And then Canva as well. Canva we do. I don't we don't have the pro pixel <laughs> pro tier or whatever it is. I like Canva. Again, I think it's another kind of watered down version of Photoshop. If you are really technically savvy in the Photoshop side of things or in design, those are great tools. I, I loved using those tools. 
But with all the enhancements that Canva has made previously, and I'm sure the tool you're using, it is. It's nice to be able to just do things in more of a quick fashion and not have to. I think what we can do, what I could do in Photoshop in an hour, I can do very similar things in Canva in 15, 20 minutes. So I think there's a streamlining of the process there a little bit. Um, and just making sure that you're getting through that optimizer and you touched on that's something you turned me on to as well it is having played the scaling game multiple times with google ads accounts and having tried to manage hundreds of accounts before manually it was eye-opening to actually find a tool that 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 actually does a lot of this for you or helps you to at least streamline that process and build some efficiencies in there as well yeah that is that's something that i'm shocked that i didn't use it previously in in all the other efforts that we've done and i don't know how I'll go back to something other than optimizer just to help with, again, some of that more active management. We know that if you really want Google ads to perform, there is, you should be actively managing that account, the campaigns, the ad groups, the keywords, whatever you were talking about there. And that's a great tool. There are other tools that'll help that as well. But I found this to be pretty effective in making sure we're getting the most bang for our buck on the Google ad side of things. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to go down the extensions path there. Next, you touched on it previously. Again, I suspect we have some overlap here. But 1Password is my first extension up there on the little mm -hmm. bar. That is our password manager of choice. Love password managers. I've had that from early on. I had one VA, one virtual assistant back in 2017. And I got and installed 1Password to share with him because I hate <laughs> I hate more than anything, more than my dislike for Slack. I hate the what's the password for that again? Whenever I see that, I just want to take a fork and plunge it straight into my eyeball. It drives me crazy. So one password, you put all your in there, you add your team, you approve your team in there, obviously for security purposes. Then you move shared passwords into a shared vault. It's much more secure that way. If you have a spreadsheet with a bunch of passwords sitting out there on the internet or even locally on like your network, you're just asking, begging for someone to come by and take your personal information. And if you use the same password for everything, I don't know, like you're making, you're driving me even more crazy. I can't, it drives me back bonkers. So one password, huge time saver there. Whatever it costs a few bucks a month worth it per person or whatever worth it to have one password and not have the dreaded, what's the password for that again? <laughs> that is just such a time killer, waster productivity. It drives me bonkers. So that if I could only keep one, I don't know, that might be the one I keep, but luckily that's it's uh, it's pretty easy to find other password managers there. That's my one of choice. Go look out there in the marketplace for other password managers. I think all of them have been hacked except for one password. And like they <laughs> go into a lot yeah. of detail of like exactly why they're like unhackable basically or like even if they were hacked they would release like hashed emails hashed passwords not your actual password so i trust them they seem to have a super long track record they're like nerdy they're like cloudflare to me they're like i don't even understand all of it but i know that they're the best so i just go with them it's the same cost as everything else so i may as well go with the one that's most the most safe love that one all right one password you got your shine there keywords everywhere that is my bulk keyword research tool it allows you to access the google search keyword api which is really no longer available honestly to you if you're using google ads it used to be the case that you could get that nice and easy not really so simple anymore <clears throat> Excuse me. So I use keywords everywhere to upload bulk keyword data, get volume by month. That's the only place that you can get that from my knowledge. Keyword data by month from Google. Use keywords everywhere. Also shows the little volume underneath the actual search result of the keyword you're searching. So I like that one quite a bit. Tag assistant. I use this for what Paul was sending out earlier. Go on the client site, click on it. It'll tell you what tags they have. Same for the next one in the bar. Metapixel helper will tell you what pixels installed and why, all that kind of stuff. My one SEO plugin, little extension here, detailed SEO is a, it just click on it and it shows you like the title tag, the meta description, the URL, the canonical tag, the headings, it gives you a link export. So it's nothing like 
groundbreaking. I can do all this stuff, like to your point from a second ago inside of Screaming Frog, but it's efficient. Like I'm just on the URL. I click that button. It shows it all to me in one view. I don't have to go like hunting for it in other places. I have this little extension next called Download All Images. Sounds very simple, but I use it a ton when I'm going to a client's like property detail page and I need to like download all those images and send them to my designer or upload them into a Facebook post or upload them into an image ad extension or something like that. So that's super helpful. Obviously, you could download images one by one on a page, but I find it very inefficient. So I like that one quite a bit. I love this one. This one is called Link Clump. And by the way, I'll put links in the show notes. This is going to be our deepest show notes ever by far. (laughs) (laughs) But Link Clump is amazing. Basically, what that allows you to do is you can hold like a certain key on your keyboard. Like I can hold Z, for example. I can drag my mouse over a stack of links and it will open all those links in new tabs. So if I have a certain number of things to do on a day and I need to open like, oh, let me open all these property detail pages. Instead of clicking them one by one, I just hold Z, mouse over the entire like group of links and I can open all the tabs all at once. And then here's an even better one. I use C, I hold the C on my keyboard, then I left click, and then I can copy all those URLs to my clipboard at the same time too. So I can either bulk open URLs or I can (laughs) copy URLs, which is super useful. Then I paste that into Google Sheets or whatever, and then I'm manipulating that data for whatever reason. So love Link Clump. If you're doing any kind of link building or like bulk reviewing of web addresses, which is like a lot of us in our day-to-day, I need to open all these property detail pages and check and see if they have this section added to the property detail page. We can go one by one, or you can just open them all link clump, go to that section, then hit command W, just open the tab, close the tab, open the tab, close the tab. So love that one quite a bit. Um, those are all my pinned ones. I have some other stuff in here, but it's mostly just like random stuff like mm-hmm. Lighthouse for speed testing and things like that. Yeah. Zoom, which is just scheduled meetings and stuff like that. What's your takeaway? I think I got you a link clump. I don't think you have No, I don't think no, that one. I was just looking through. Light, uh, Lighthouse is there for me. Yeah. Loom is there. So, you know, for okay. quick screen sharing, screen recording, I'll use Loom for just doing it in window in browser. I use OBS Studio for just bigger recordings too, but that's something that... As long as you get something when you're, where you're doing the screen recordings, that always helps. Metapixel helper, that's as far as diagnosing all the stuff for their Metapixel, that's huge to have. Again, knowing the, whether or not it's it's a small thing, but it's so critical. Like It is amazing how many people don't know whether or not they have their Pixel installed on their website. So good to have that on there as well. Tag Assistant, same thing with Google Tags, making sure all that is in place. I have detailed SEO extension, very similar to Keywords Everywhere. It is, I think everybody, I think I've probably had a dozen other SEO extensions trying to get more keyword insights. I have had Keywords Everywhere at different times as well. I think it's off more because it was taking up more bandwidth on my browsing than anything else. And I wanted to just get a little faster there. Let's see here, detailed chat GPT. I've got enhanced the a couple of different chat GPT extensions, one that builds it into Google results, one that builds it into just some different prompts. So the, I've probably used chat GPT and the AI powered content generation more on the extension side than I have anywhere else there. Artemis is one that using I use it on the side just for trying to reach out to if we need to find out emails for someone. It's a pretty cool tool to be able to go through and uh, go into their LinkedIn profile. Now, we know the accuracy of a LinkedIn email may not be that great, but just being able to if we're just really struggling to reach out to someone we can't find any contact information or we don't think the contact information is accurate. Artemis is a nice little tool as an app sumo, I don't know, probably 50 bucks for a lifetime deal, but I have found some pretty cool email extraction information there. So that's the other extension that I have on top of that. So, yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, you got me on a few new ones. I wasn't didn't realize there was like chat GPT specific ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's like ways that I can make that a little bit more efficient. Awesome. All right, so I'm going grab bag next. So these are not applications that launch that I launch with, nor are these browser specific applications. And this one in particular, I think is super useful. So text expander. No, I've been using Text Expander since college. This was like my hack back then. I don't know when I first heard about this, but I was like, wait, you mean I can type something and then it expands into something more? I was like, this reminds me of, this is going way back, like my RuneScape days when I played RuneScape when I was like a tween and I was like typing the same thing over and over again. And of course there was like bots and scripts and things like that that you could use to try to cheat the game, but I wouldn't do that. So I didn't do that, but I would certainly be like, ah, this is like hell on my hands. Like how can I make this more efficient? Text Expander on a functional level, you type some kind of phrase And then it expands into a pre-written thing that you have defined. So for example, I type comma, that's my like delimiter so that you don't accidentally trigger this all the way, all the time. Cause that's what I see people do is they'd be like, they're like, oh, I'm going to use a text expander and I'm going to use like pet friendly as like my starter phrase. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to expand into my pet friendly message to the guest that's, oh, this property does not, or does allow pets, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to type that word like accidentally and it's going to trigger accidentally. (laughs) So I use what's called what text expander calls a delimiter. Mine's the comma because it's like very easy to reach like you just tap it so i type for example comma access and it writes my whole pre-written email on me asking for access for a client so it sounds simple but it's it's very it's a huge time saver because i just open a new thread i click sending to paul i type comma access and then it expands this whole email with all the links pre-populated all the text pre-populated all i have to do is fill in your name like dear paul as opposed Mm -hmm. to dear whoever and we're pretty much off to the races. I can send access emails within seconds of me ending a Zoom call with a prospect. And they're always like, oh, you sent that right away. I'm like, yeah, I'm top of it. But really, it's just I'm cheating. I'm using Text Expander. There's something that I've already written that I can then just quickly call back up and put into any field, any field. That's the thing about Text Expander. It's system wide. So it doesn't have to be in a browser. You could be in your mail app of choice, whatever. It is on your machine. It's not local to just one application or one tool or something like that. So I use it all the time. That's like one example, but I use it for how don't you hate typing out like your address or even it sounds simple, but like your phone number, like yep. I just comma PH, my phone number, comma address, my address pops in. This is my, this is the new thing people ask for all the time. They always want my like EIN number for my business, sure. like yep. especially around this time, tax time, uh, EIN hits their EIN number, all these things that I could remember, but I just don't want to. This is another thing that I've been doing. We now have a shared vault with myself and my developer, and all of our API keys are actually stored inside uh, of Text Expander. So if you type comma API key, it brings up this little like list, and then you can type in like Gravity Forms, and then boom, our Gravity mm-hmm. Forms API key is just right there. Because yeah, I can go find the Gravity Forms API key, but it's going to take me forever to find that. Whereas if I just type API Gravity Forms, boom, it's right there, and it's pasted in to the back end of the website, and we're off to the races. So that's like my huge thing. When I show this to people, and I just give them like a few examples of what do you have to type all the time? I always have to type this over and over again. I'm like, stop doing that. Make a little template <laughs> inside of Text Expander. Make it like comma hello if it's like a guest welcome message. And then you can still customize it. You don't have to be like a robot, but it like at least it types out like 90% of what you were going to type anyways. And then you could just fill in a line or two around, oh, it's a beautiful Monday here. We hope you enjoy the March weather. Like you can still customize the message, mm-hmm. but it saves you so much time and so much effort, energy, whatever you want to call it on typing that I think Text Expander is like a must have for like day-to-day like sanity and productivity. So do you have a text expansion tool or? I have don't. I, I, <laughs> no. It's yeah. yeah, I've heard you talk about it. It is. It's one of those things that now I for better or worse, I feel like I type faster. So I do think that's a benefit that I have, but I like having Which seen you use that I was gonna say, having <laughs> you seen text expander, I've witnessed it and I've seen it be quicker. So yeah, it's a tool that I 
definitely yearn for a little bit there. But I, I do, I'm going to say that my my typing skills, and I don't know what the number is anymore. I haven't done one of those typing tests in a while, but they, they get me through for a little while and enough that I can get around that one. But it is still lazy. <laughs> intriguing when I see the quick keystrokes there. Yeah, I'm just lazy. Maybe I can type it, but like, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> like, I'm just like, I want to hit this little abbreviation and get Legit. going. So. Yeah, I'm can't argue that. <laughs> All right, so my other like my other right back one that I want to spend at least a minute on. We won't get to keyboard maestro today, just because that's like a whole thing in and of itself. But keyboard mm-hmm. maestro was like once you want to go crazy, you go to keyboard maestro. So maybe that's the version two of this episode. It'll actually record your screen, and you can record yourself doing certain actions. So if you had to click approve wow. on a thousand images, you could just literally launch the keyboard's maestro macro, hit record, click it, and then run that action and be like run this nine hundred times or something. So it is insane. It can mimic whatever you want. You can write scripts. You can have it click on URLs, you can have it open tabs, you can have it close stuff. It is the, like I said, master version. But the lightweight version of it, I think anyone can access is one of these like application launchers. So I think PC has a different way that this works. But on Mac, you have to go to your dock on the left side, you have to go find the app and click it and open it. And yeah, you can do that's fine. But like, instead, what I use is an app called Alfred. Uh, my my like action to invoke Alfred is option spacebar. So option spacebar. And then I can type in, for example, like screaming frog. And just as I type SCR, screaming frog is already there. I hit enter and then screaming frog is opening and it's already on the way. So I use Alfred for that. I use Alfred all the time for calculations. So again, once you open option spacebar on my keyboard, it opens this like text window. You can type in there like seven plus four plus two divided by 10. Or if I'm giving like a click through rate estimate for a client, I don't do calculator like public math. It always causes problems. So I just use Alfred to do that. I like open and I'll be like, okay, 1200 clicks times 10% click through rate times a $4.27 cost per click. Okay, on this keyword, we need a $500, $27 budget, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. So I love, love, love Alfred. That is like my next most common thing. In fact, they keep stats. Let me open this really quickly. They keep stats on how often you use Alfred. And since I've purchased Alfred, I've used it 47,694 <laughs> times. <laughs> and it tells you the average. So the average time that I use it 31 times a day, 31 <laughs> times a day. So it's just like, this thing is the best. I use it just even swap between like applications. I use it all the time. Alfred, there you go. You, I don't know what the PC equivalent is, but like you can. That's the thing. That, that is the, and I've been on enough meetings with you that it is, and I promise you anybody who's listening to this, not, it is pretty incredible how quickly Conrad navigates a computer. It was mind boggling to me the first time that I got on a meeting with him and he, the Alfred keystrokes are just again that quick i know it wasn't something that i i ex- thought i was in trouble at that point when i the first <laughs> meeting i had I'm like oh gosh this is how he's running meetings oh my gosh there's no way i'm done there's i have no equal there's no equivalent i'm done i'm going to fall behind here immediately but i think it is that when you see it in action when you see it in motion once you get used to it and yeah. just the, the efficiency it builds in your day i can't I, I can't imagine like how many little five minute three minute two minute ten minute tasks they're just gone because you're not doing those extra two or three keystrokes or clicks of the mind. It's it is pretty incredible to see you navigate the technology in that way. And I, again, I think I'm pretty quick. I feel like I'm pretty speedy, but the, it, it's you can tell that you. It's not surprising to me. Forty six thousand is a huge number, but it's not surprising <laughs> to me 
to hear that you're hitting that 31 times a day because I've seen it and it is very impressive to see. And I understand why you can do what you do in the time that you can do it in, in that way. I've gotten better. I've gotten better at this stuff, not because I'm any smarter. In fact, I think probably dumber now than I was five years ago. You know what it is? I have three kids now. I don't have time for anything else. So right. like, when I'm here, I got to lock in. I got to get things done. I can't be fooling around and be like, oh, let me do it the slightly less efficient way. No, we got to get it done because I got baths to give at six o'clock and stuff like that. Yep. Children to feed and all this kind of stuff. So here you go. These are not recommendations from a position of privilege. They are <laughs> recommendations from a position of, oh my God, I have a lot of things to do and I have very little time. So damn it, it better go pretty fast and pretty efficient to get it all. So that's my Hopefully. grab bag. Do you have other things that you touched on Screen Frog? Is there anything else that's like on your mind that you help helps you a little bit? Or? It is. I think, I think the tool, I was not privy to a lot of tools early on. It was something where we had to figure out solutions internally. And I think that helped to really get the most out of the basic applications that we can do. I think that in general, and that's, I think why we got along right away at the start is that it was finding things that I don't think a lot of people know how to manipulate Google ads or Facebook ads like, like we do because we're in there as frequently as we are. So I think that's the, I've tried to use all the free tools as possible. So tag manager, clarity, Google ads, Facebook ads, all these things, they're great management tools out there to help you become more efficient. And I do, I think that's always helpful. And I think we've brought out some really great options here, but I think it's also important to make sure that there are, you can use the tools, you can get as much of the tools that Google provides, that Facebook provides, and you can do a lot without having to add these tools. These are just taking it to that next level. It's really allowing you to make your days more efficient. Again, being able to take on more clients, take on more partners, take on more work. And I think that's a great, it's great that these options and solutions are out there to make sure that you can scale a business. You can do some of these things that are a little more aggressive. You, you don't have to manage 150 accounts from Google ads, from the individual accounts themselves. There's some really great tools out there. So yeah, I don't think I've taken this deep a dive into some of these applications. I, admittedly, AppSumo was something that was brand new to me and you guys turned me into something terrible. It's a disease now. <laughs> it's not the domains game with you, but it's not that far from it. I've got a lot more of those lifetime deal softwares that I am trying to pick apart and find ways that we can be more efficient. Yeah, yeah. I guess that my ending piece here is philosophical, which I have two philosophical notes to end on. Number one is if you've gone through this far and you're like, oh, but I don't know if you're about to say something out, if you're thinking right now or something's about to come out of your mouth, to the tune of, oh, I don't know, I'm not very techie. Stop it. I no, hate that. That's when, exactly whenever, no. whenever you speak that over yourself, you're automatically casting yourself then as like someone that can't do this stuff. So instead, even if you feel that way, don't say it. I don't want to hear it. Open it and say, I wonder if I could use this to do X and just do one thing. If you only had text expander and you had three snippets inside of it, I still believe that could make someone's life yeah. better. I really do believe yeah. that. You could have three and one could be like, what's my opening message to a guest? What's my opening message to an owner? And what's my like, constant, please give me feedback on Airbnb message that I send all the time. Like those three messages that you may type out all the time, if you just automate those three and get little snippets on those, you get them. And then after a month or two of using them, you're like, ah, I found a fourth one and a fifth one, and a sixth one, and it builds in your memory. It's like a, it's like this thing. So first of all, don't be like, I can't do it or don't say, oh, I don't know how that's the nonsense. I don't believe it's true. So you can learn anything. Anything we're talking about here requires no coding, no programming, none of that. It is the opening of an application. And Correct. like you said a second ago, Paul, manipulating it to help you not to make things take more time. It's actually to save time. And is there a tiny learning curve at the beginning? Maybe, but once you figure it out, you're going to be like, it's going to be a 20 minute or hour investment on the front end to save you mm -hmm. like 50 hours in the back end. So it's definitely <laughs> worth it. And then the nice. second thing is that I believe that good software like Optimizer, like you were referencing a second ago, is leverage. And the only way for us to get more done, like in today's world, 
world, like a tased economy. That's why we talk about chat GPT maybe a little bit more than we should, as you and I both see it for what it is, which is this is how you can like superpower yourself and get a lot more done. It's not going to replace anybody. I don't really think that's going to be the case or it's not going to replace any meaningful work. I really don't believe that, but it's going to make you a lot more productive if you embrace it and use it to its fullest potential. So it's like an Archimedes quote, right? Give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it and I can move the world. I can change the world. And I believe that good tools and using knowing how to use the tools in the software is the same way. You can take the same input of time or people or whatever, and it's like leverage. You can pull down and you can get a lot further along than your competition, or you can get a lot further along than other people because you are going faster. You are launching the application yeah. launcher 31 times a day. And every time you do that, it's 20 minutes here, five minutes there, two minutes there, three minutes there. And it just makes you flow and go a lot faster. So we're at my time here, but I wanted to end on like those two specific thoughts around and around speaking anything negative over yourself. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. That's not true at all. There was a time when no, none of us knew how to do anything. And now there's a lot that you can do that you never used to know how to do. So that's kind of my way that I want to end it. Agreed. Anything else or should we drop a bow on this one? That's ready. I think we're good for the bow. Okay, so we won't ask for reviews. Instead, we'll ask for feedback because this was That's a way right. out there episode. From what we normally do. It had nothing to do really with vacation rentals, although obviously everything we talked about today, you could tie back into your vacation rental operations. And I do believe this. I'm tapping my computer. Hopefully you can't hear it. This computer that we have here is basically the tool that you use to interact. And the guest is going to find you because they searched on their computer or their iPhone or whatever, their laptop and found you. You know, the you're going to interact with homeowners through this. You're going to interact with guests through these different tools. So the more efficient you can make them for your business, I think the better your business can be. And not only that, if you have your team members, all these little super powered app launchers. Mm -hmm. Imagine the fact that you can do with a team of four what some people might need a team of eight or 12 or 15 to do and you can kill them. So that's like hopefully the inspirational piece about this that actually ties back to the vacation rental. But yeah, don't no uh, review bag this week and said email feedback. Do you like this kind of episodes or do you want us to just stick to marketing? That's okay too. Emails and say just stick to marketing the subject line and we'll do that. But uh, we thought we'd uh, throw a different one out there and see what people thought. So yeah, that's all we got and we will see you next week on the show. Thanks so much.